somebody it? says it's dirty, they got a reason to say that. They got a reason they're saying that, you know? Wow. I mean, and if someone says it's just beautiful, well, everybody would be able to do it. Episode one, man, I'm pumped right now. Uh, whew, if you are downloading this, streaming this, listening to this, thank you. This is Tell Me the Truth. I am Sunny Day, C. Scott, Blaze Enigma, C. Lowski, depends on how you know me. And this is the first episode. This is the genesis. This is the beginning of Tell Me the Truth, the realest podcast broadcast podcast in the land i want to thank everybody for listening got a real interesting episode i brought a real good friend of mine here to talk to everybody but first i want to let everybody know where you can go and get information on tell me the truth i want you to go to tell me the truth slash podcast.com once you hit this website we got it all there for you we got all the episodes products information about us how to contact us how to become a guest Everything is on that page. We also have links to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, I don't have the the dot 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 URLs for those, but listen to this. Go to tell me the truth slash podcast.com and I got links on the bottom of every page to that. Hit me up, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and we can do that. Okay, now this next episode, or rather more this first episode that we're finna listen to is a conversation between me and uh one of my about five or six mentors that i've come across outside of my family at this point in my life i met this man at least 12 or 13 years ago and he was my guitar teacher my friend my bandmate my mentor and you know all of the above so with no further ado, I give you episode one, Attack of the Funk. With Slimmy Hempsticks, Bo Digitally, Skin Tight, Scott Free. Here we go. I'm thinking about the good old days, now quick they slip away. But I'm gonna be fine, I'm gonna be fine, I'm gonna be 
Would you like a drink? I can wait. I mean, well, I feel like talking right now. You feel like talking? Okay, <laughs> well, when I get a drink, I'm going to get you a drink. Okay. That'll work. Now, what you were saying, you saying y'all had a violinist in Moscow? Yeah, we got a violinist, singer, and drummer in Moscow. And that's contributing to Fast Lane or Original P? Or? Yeah. Original P. Poop? Yeah. Poop? I never heard poop. What is P- poop an act? Yeah, P O O P. P O O P. So yeah. P. Okay, it's an acronym. <laughs> oh, okay. It's acronymic. <laughs> acronymic. Acronymic. Okay. Well, that's what's up. Because, because like I was saying, this the whole the whole podcast situation opens up a vein for everybody. And in, mm-hmm. in the uh, the particular people I see using it right now are comedians. Oh yeah. I see a lot of comedians using it, and what they do mm-hmm. is they use it. And as people listen to it, that makes them want to come out and see the show. Exactly. That's the same thing exactly. I want to do. So I was saying, what like you were saying, if y'all do the original P podcast, yeah, that would, you know, open it up to a whole different mm-hmm. vein of people. Yeah, because we want to let people in Moscow see what we're doing. See what you're doing. And that's what I'm, like I just said, too, that's what I'm really trying to do is let the thing go beyond my normal group of people who... I speak to or listen to the music so they can yeah. really get down yeah. with the sickness. Yeah, you could make a whole fan base, man. Word. This podcasting joint. I, you know, and that's really the plan. Yeah. You know. Exactly. I mean, it's so it serves it serves two masters because it can work as a as a way to generate interest and revenue and an outlet for itself. Mm-hmm. But then for me as an artist, boom. Yeah. Now I have people wondering what's up with C. Scott Blaze and Nigma Sunny Days. Mm-hmm. And people are wondering, hey, well, what's up with Slimmy Hempsticks? This guy that he talked so much about, his mentor, his, you know what I'm saying? All of that. Ace Boom yeah. Coon and Fast Lane and Original P and Bo Digitally. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it's just dope. It's very informational and all of that goodness. So for the people in the world who don't know, what is Original P? Original P is like the original pirates. Of what? The Caribbean? <laughs> <laughs> the pirates of the funk. Pirates the sh- of the funk. The Shady Grady, he's, he's, uh, a, he's a pirate character. And, uh, you know, carrying that into uh, the future, he became the black motorcycle dude, you know. Made friends with all the motorcycle gangs because he had that gang look about him, you know. Okay, and I, I noticed he wears a lot of leather. Leather and purple. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, purple pirate. Like leather and purple. Purple pirate. I'm like, okay. He's been wearing purple every day. Jesus for like purple. 50 years. Whoa. You know? Every day. Every day. Trying to, you know, you got to get your chakra right. I mean, I actually made him wear a white leather coat one night in the wintertime because it was cold outside and he didn't have a coat. And he looks so funny in that white leather coat. <laughs> it just didn't fit his persona. Was well, the thing is, he felt awkward in it almost, you know. Okay. And I mean, I, I didn't make it where it's just that it was cold outside, and he couldn't be going outside in the in the cold weather without a coat on. So we went to a church, and um, yeah, Archer Church of God in Christ. Archer. Yeah. So now we're talking about Grady. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's the from- first time he'd been in church in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't stress long, long enough. Did you say Archer Church of Christ? Archer Church of God in Christ. Of God yeah. in Christ. Okay, okay. Kojic Church. Kojic, okay, because yeah. I, I grew up going to the Church of Christ. Mm-hmm. But my buddy, Mr. Fletcher, I think he he, he does the Church of God in Christ, mm-hmm. which... It's, it's God in God Christ. in Christ. Okay. Yeah. You know, I didn't know if that was a, an accent or, you know, uh, how we do it. Yeah, like... <laughs> It's called Kojic for short. Kojic? Yeah. Okay. So that's like an acronym. Yeah. Well, Kojic is, yeah. Okay. Um, and it's Pentecostal, and so it's a little what, okay. more, more musically driven than, you know, Baptist on average, you know. Really? Because Baptists get down. Oh, yeah. They get, well, they, they, Baptists get down. They, they, uh, they're so established, they make a lot of money doing their getting down. Okay, but Pentecostal is more freer and looser musically, kind of like jazz pushing the envelope. Okay, I grew I grew up in the uh, Church of Christ, mm-hmm. and we didn't have instruments. It was I don't you know I haven't researched it, but it comes yeah. out of Calvinism. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they didn't have instruments, and we didn't have a formal choir in church. Yeah, but man, everybody knew how to sing their part. It was. Mm-hmm. It was pretty dope. And yeah. I've been to other churches of Christ up here, and they, they don't really get down like that. Right. But they got. So you have some color in there, they would say. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Def- that was definitely a factor. Yeah, because that's the thing in churches here, man. They're segregated. So. You think? Now, now, the Church of Christ I went to was very multicultural. Mm-hmm. It was very balanced. Yeah. Oh, um, that, but, that, well, that's kind of rare. Cause, but the singing was not 11th street church of christ mm-hmm. it just wasn't there yeah I, tr- I mean they even they sung good songs i mean they sung songs that i remember from my childhood but mm-hmm. the swing was not there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the swing was not there now uh i told you before we're i'm thinking of calling this episode attack of the funk Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting that we start out talking about churches because that's where it all kind of began and re-resurrected on this continent. I can't say that's where it began because we've been a musical people before we were introduced to the concept of going to a formal church. Mm-hmm. But that is kind of where it re-awoken after that fire got semi-snuffed out during the whole situation. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of people kind of get their chops in church it's rare to me it's rare that i find somebody that's really wicked that didn't get their chops in church yeah you can go to school or you can go to church and there there are the some people that were born they were touched with it and they can stay home by themselves and perfect the craft have you ever met someone like that yeah who me? <laughs> you know how to say that. <laughs> you gonna say that? Okay, okay. Well then, let's let's work on that. How are you introduced to the funk, Slimmy Hempstead? With James Brown. James Brown. Yeah. Okay. Now, I mean, would well, you, you know, consider that funk or soul? Well, I would have considered that funk. And you I'll tell you. I'll tell funk? you why. But I want to go a bit earlier than that. Let's go earlier. My father realized when I was young that I responded to music you know okay and so one day when i started to cry he had the perception that hey maybe he wants to hear some music and he put the music on and i stopped 
So every time I started to cry, he figured out that I was asking for him to play some music. Ah. So. So it soothed you from the beginning. From the beginning and uh, at six, after, you know, getting my music from like uh, Captain Kangaroo and, you know, that, those sort of Batman and, and uh, <laughs> then I started to um, think about live performance of music. And for the first time I saw James Brown, that was the first time I saw live performance of music that I was aware of because in church I wasn't aware of it you know wow. I was more into the sound that um, everybody made together so that's kind of when you first became aware of, of the just funk. the sound and the you know the whole feel of it and, oh, and so when I went to my first James Brown concert it was such a special experience because the only time I saw crowds like that was going to church, you know. But um, and like, what year was this? Nineteen sixty-seven. I was six when I first went to James Brown. Um, you know, like Batman is earlier. Wow. Or either Bat no Batman sixty-six, I think. Yeah. But um. Wow. Yeah, my grandmother played in the church, and she was a choir director and pianist. And that was my basic real experience of uh somebody who could play you know nice. my grandmother could play man nice so you can't i'm not even me. aware of her true ability because of my limited understanding back then but when i would just pull out chopin bach you know mozart <laughs> all of that and she would just play everything you know and um there was Stevie Wonder, Supremes. Um, she has some country songs. Nice. So she is pretty well-rounded. So you grew up yeah. like with a well-rounded catalog of music that you were exposed to. Mm-hmm. And my father had a well-rounded catalog of music. You know, that Barbara. was back in the days of records. Yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. You know, Dang. you could have... Our, my albums on Palm Street were uh, not only Cool in the Gang or Mandrill, but um, Barbara Streisand, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Moms Mabley, the infamous Bill Cosby. <laughs> The infamous Bill Cosby. <laughs> um, Richard Pryor. Now, your dad had Richard Pryor and uh, mm -hmm. Bill Cosby? Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that, that, those, that was basically his collection, the record collection. I remember one time hearing a uh, a Richard prior record i remember i could you know when you're little you you have like glimpses of stuff mm -hmm. and i remember my dad having like a cocktail in those little like half cocktail glasses that they have yeah and i just remember catching like 35 seconds of it and i don't remember the joke but i remember it was funny mm -hmm. and i had to go to bed after that <laughs> <laughs> i had to go to bed after that yeah 
So now something that I I know when I first touched the instrument it would have had to be like sixth grade. We had a thing called the wheel, and during wheel, uh, every three months you would get to try something different, whether it was band or chorus yeah. or something like that. And that's pretty much when I first can recall picking up an instrument. And what I think it was the tr- trumpet with the three, the mm-hmm. three plungers, mm-hmm. the yeah. trumpet. And then I settled in on the upright bass and orchestra, but they made you play everything for a little bit. Mm-hmm. When when uh, can you recall picking up an instrument? And for people who don't know, I'm going to break the code and just talk to the audience. Scott is an unbelievable guitar player, and uh, I got to get some video to put up on this page so y'all can see what he's actually capable of. But if you haven't seen him play, you will be amazed. So when was the first time you picked up an instrument? Was it a guitar? And if it wasn't, what was it? Um, yeah, I didn't pick it up. The piano. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely didn't pick it up. <laughs> Word. And Word. was that your grandma's piano? Uh-huh. Word. Makes sense. Makes sense. And it, and that's like a northern thing because I know my, my wife is from up north and her grandma has a piano. Mm-hmm. And you're from up north too, right? Yeah, but my grandmother was from South Carolina. Oh, okay. I'm still further north than here, but truly yeah. not Mason Dixon North. Not Mason Dixon North. Word up. Yeah, my aunt moved to Connecticut first. You know, to kind of get a, a foothold in the area. Okay, that was like great migration well, time. No, no, it, it was way after that. Um, in the fifties. In the fifties. Yeah, and. So my father came up, actually must have been the 40s because he came up before he was 10. Yeah, late 40s, they came to Hartford. But um, they were from Allendale, South Carolina. Allendale, South Carolina? Yeah. Okay. My father was born in Orlando. Oh, get out of town. Yeah. Homeboy. Right I've been coming here way. since I was seven years old. Yeah, to Florida. Mm-hmm. Word up. That's when I decided I was going to live here. Well, it's a lot warmer and cozier than Connecticut can yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> the winters are better. The winters are much better. There was something about me being a kid that they didn't understand why I, I wanted to move to Florida. <laughs> like, because it's beautiful all the time, I think. I don't know. Something like that. I think they thought kids were supposed to like snow longer or something. I don't know. I saw snow as an adult, and it was very cool the first day. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, wow, it's really cold. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's really cold out there. Jeez Louise. So, I mean, yeah, it's all right, but it's cold. And I'm yeah. tropi- I'm, a, I'm of a tropical phenotype, so yeah. me and cold don't agree for more than a week. Uh. And then the depression sets in. So, yeah. So, uh, what I'm trying to figure out is something that you've always stressed to me is the groove bed. Mm-hmm. So, I, I in the pocket. And those are like, to me, the key fundamentals of music. But from playing with you, I feel like those are the, you know, yeah, the key fundamentals of music. But I guess I received them through the funk. Mm-hmm. What is going on with people today? Because I hear some music that like has the essence and I feel like they're trying to resurrect the funk. Mm-hmm. But some people kind of miss the beat. 
It's like yeah. they try to do it. Like I, I feel like the Bruno Mars song is pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, whoever song that is is pretty dope. I haven't yeah. seen the video, but it's pretty funky. Mark Ronson. Mark Ronson is that featuring Bruno Mars? Is that not yeah. even Bruno? Mm-hmm. Ma- okay, featuring I was like, sound like Bruno Mars. If I said he yeah. cut Mark Ronson open, Bruno Mars pops out <laughs> or something. And it's funny that you should say that because that song is a pop out song. Pop out? Yeah. What does that mean? It's just made for pop. So the funk aspect of it is really light, and it's light? the thing that, yeah, I mean the thing that the the accents are in the right places everywhere okay it's like if you listen to a hundred funk records you get a derivative of all of those records and so for me uptown funk is more of a expression to capitalize on a niche okay and um it can it feels kind of light weighted to me you know feels kind of light light weighted yeah now is that light from the perspective of a funkineer? Funketeer. Funketeer. <laughs> I fucked it up. <laughs> it's like this isn't the Tampa funk- Bay funkineers. <laughs> you might be able to use funkineer, man, like yeah. an engineer, a funky uh, engineer. Funkineer. Okay, funkineer. <laughs> funkineer. Right? But do you feel like that's light? Or you have a funkin' ear. A funk in ear. A funkin' ear. Or a funkin' ear. A funk ear. F u k e n. F u n k e n. Funkin'. Funkin' ear. ear. Your ear's funked. <laughs> funked all up. It's funked. <laughs> but now, do you feel like that's light comparison to a person who is the funk? Or do you feel yeah, like that's yeah. light versus today? Because to me, it sounds pretty funky for yeah. today. But mm-hmm. so far as for the funk, pure funk, yeah. P-funk, O-P-funk, you know, it, yeah. it may be light. funk light. <laughs> Funk light. Do you want? I'm finna get a drink. Do you want a drink? I have. Okay. Look, I'll go over here and t- matter of fact, I'm gonna tell you so they can hear. We got sh- like four different kinds of strongbows: ginger, honey apple, golden apple, crisp apple. I got some vodka. I got some rum. And yeah, that's the it. Ginger joint. The ginger. Yeah. Okay. And while I'm grabbing that, um, just so we don't break the the flow of stuff. I can keep talking. You can keep talking. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. You can answer while I get this. We kind of touched on how you got introduced or discovered music. Um, and we figured out that you kind of started on the piano. Mm-hmm. How did you come into the guitar? Well, Because I'm going to tell the people um, right now, Scott started out as my guitar teacher, then uh, my friend. You know, we went from that to becoming very good friends and then bandmates. And he's amazing. So how did you, like, get involved with the guitar, pick up the car, touch the guitar, gig with the guitar? How did it happen? The guitar story is so crazy. Well, let's hear it. My father went to Value House. It was kind of like one of those places they had a catalog and everything. And so um, he uh, got a guitar and you know bought it and got an amp and so he uh we went home and everything and so i was like wow dad has a new guitar he's going to be famous one day (laughs) (laughs) and um he just gave it to me thank you man well do you know what kind of do you remember what kind of guitar it was 
No. <laughs> <laughs> was it acoustic or electric? No, it was electric, yeah. It was ele- so you had an amp too? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So you got you a guitar amp? Yeah. Cable and everything. Mm-hmm. Nice. So that night I learned you make me feel brand new by the stylistics. Okay, I don't know how that goes, but I, I'm going to do you. Wait a second. I got a guitar over here. You can let me hear it. Make me feel brand new. I think it should be in tune. The garage hasn't been heating up and stuff too much. That sucker should be in tune. It may be a little out of tune. Luckily, Scott can tune by ear. And as he tunes that up, we're going to hear a little She Makes Me Feel Brand New. Yeah. So we're going to get a nice little treat here. Hear a little something. Glad I had the acoustic out here so we could do a little demo. And for everybody who's listening, I got a Strongbow Mixed Berry. I'm going to raise your glass and keep it real to all the truth tellers out there. Episode 1, Attack of the Funk. Let's take a drink to it. Cheers. strings i was gonna sell it and then the person didn't want to buy it so those are brand spanking new strings so skin doll tell me this who's the first big name you ever played with Tell me the truth. In the same group. Well, I mean, it depends on what you class, what what you call them play. I actually played cowbell with Parliament Funkadelic. <laughs> Best player. Um, I was fourteen. So yeah, I was playing cowbell. Bootsy was shaking the tambourine. We were standing behind Jerome Braley. Now, how it, did you end up playing tambourine? Cowbell. Tambourine, cowbell. How'd you end up playing cowbell? It's an interesting story. Um, P Funk was coming to Hartford, and they um, did a radio appearance. It was Bootsy. Okay. And so um, I called the radio station and told them I wanted to do an interview. 
you know, with Bootsy and George Clinton. Okay, wow. And At so, 14. Yeah. Okay. And um, they put Larry Benjamin on the phone, LB. So I told okay. LB, you know, I wanted to do an interview, and he said, uh, wow, that would probably be, be a good idea. You know, and I told him I was a geepy. What's was, that? A geepy is uh, like PG backwards. Bootsy, Bootsy had the geepy crowd. <laughs> okay. For kids, his cartoon personality, Casper. Okay. You know, so we were geepies, and uh, so LB just told me to meet him at the concert after. He said when the band got ready to quit, go behind the stage and just yell LB. Nice. So I went to the concert with a notebook. Everybody was freaking out on me, right? <laughs> oh, to do the interview. I'm like a notebook. And um, it was funny. But I had uh, the Afro pick, red, black, and green Afro pick in my Afro. With the custom fist. <laughs> yeah, with the fist. With the fist. <laughs> and I wore these uh, sky blue, blue suede marshmallows, they used to be called. So they had these white heels, you know, and the white sole. Okay. You know, kind of like a squishy, you know, okay. white. They were like light blue suede. And these the marshmallows were... gave you a little bit of a heel. Mine had a heel probably about like that. Okay. Imagine a heel like that, like man. Three, is that like three inches? Brothers. Yeah, three inches, yeah. That's a pretty nice you know, heel. Flag brother. <laughs> yeah. Stuff. yeah. And um, I had on some blue gabardine knit pants and a blue nylon shirt. You hear that? Yeah. That's a that's a bug on the yeah. door. Um a blue nylon shirt with red and white roses on them. Nice. That's uh So I had that red, black, green, red, white, blue. <laughs> okay, so you were spoken it out blue. way back then. Okay, it's <laughs> nothing new. The ensembles were present way back then. I had to I had to tell my wife about that. She was like, Oh, that's a nice outfit. I said, Whoa. Well, no, no more of this shit. This is not an outfit. Clowns wear outfits. Wear okay, this is an ensemble. Okay, this shit is high fashion. So this is high fashion. She's like, you're not wearing that out, are you? I'm like, oh, yes, I am. Proudly. Trends exactly. It can't you work. Set if you're trends not proud and shit. You got to set trends. So many people follow with the skinny jeans and the tight clothes, which is cool if you want to do that. But set trends. I have a mm -hmm. hat that I've washed so many times that this thing is just like tattered and falling apart. Yeah, uh, I, I, I recognize. You've that seen hat. the hat yeah. with the peace sign. Everybody, yeah. it's just fucking. But some people be like, "Man, are you going to get a new hat?" That's a, that hat should go on the Grammys. And some people, <laughs> I'm, the shit should win a Grammy. And some people say, where'd you buy that from? I want one. I'm yeah. thinking I should market the fucking tattered piece hat. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, think it's the well, shit. When you just said that, it just opened up a whole new vision for me, you know. What's that? The tattered piece. Damn. You know. And that's a wicked name for it. The tattered piece hat. Yeah. Tattered piece. Mm -hmm. That's a song. Tattered piece, yeah. Tattered piece. Uh-huh. Damn. That's how it worked, though. It just, boom. 
That goes the next song, because we're going to have to turn that into a song. That'd be nice. So anyways, you got on the blue suede pumps with the three-inch heels. White. The blue, the white uh, wait a second. I thought it was blue suede with white heels. Yeah, light, light blue suede with white okay, heels. Okay, so you do the interview. No, I didn't do the interview. On, did. I, I, I wanted to do the interview, but instead it was changed to Monday night because they were spending the night. That, I was going to say, that E sounds out of whack. There's also a tuner on the side. Um, so that's how you met them. Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, I told Maceo he was going to work for me one day. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> At 14. And he said, if the money's right. <laughs> <laughs> a real businessman. Well, money right, I'll do anything. Yeah. Word up. And now, how many years later, you're playing with Original P? That's full circle. That's full circle. Now, one of... Your really interesting personas is Bo Digitally. How did you become, or where did the character, the the essence of Bo Digitally come from? Um, I got Bo to do this chat room thing with a friend of mine named Bob Davis. He has a show called The Soul Patrol. Okay. And, um... They did an online chat with Bo, and it's the first time Bo had ever been in a chat room. It was pretty momentous, you know. Like a like it's a the chat first room time where you're Bo typing chat room. Yeah. Okay. And what year was this? Ninety. Ninety something. Okay, ninety something. Early, late, mid. Was, let's see. Must have been like 98, 99. Yeah, probably about 99. I could look it up later. Okay. But yeah, we did this chat room, so Bo was digitized. You know, from live to digital at that point, so. Nice. I thought, wow, Bo digitally. <laughs> so I convinced Bo to use it as the name of his album. And then he suffered a stroke. Oh. But that's that was the impetus of getting that name was to like you know bow digitally nice so to have a double entendre there because it's bow going into the future you know bridging the past to the future and then also bow through his fingers so since he had agreed to do that as the album cover as the album title um, I thought that it would be an onerous thing to the type of person that he was he wanted to make history and be important and uh, affect society in a positive way you know and so I think I honor him by continuing bow digitally because that's exactly what I do you know Um, the spirit that he embodied um I think I can continue to spread that spirit. Mm. And then certainly through digits, bow digitally. Bow digitally. Okay, well, we're on the podcast now, so I want you to do me a favor because you enlightened me to something that I didn't know, but there's something called the bow diddly beat. Mm -hmm. And this thing has been used since he created it through 
numerous songs and i had heard it not from him first i think i heard it in was juba, it was juba pattern what who is that what's no, that a juba pattern i a just juba. don't talk juba juba so, yeah j-u-b-a juba pattern is that a juba pattern or are you referring to a song called juba no pattern? i was wondering if you heard it in a juba pattern like in a percussion no i think i heard it in like a hansen song or something like mm-hmm. i want candy dun, 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 dun. yeah because that's pretty much how it goes can you play mm-hmm. it for a second just so we can so we can hear it so other people may like Something like that. Man. playing a club in rhode island who was we ecstasy who was ecstasy uh it's a band out of providence rhode island is that the band i think you posted a picture of yourself in a band with like two other cats is that ecstasy um you look pretty young no no that was offspring that was offspring you and two other people yeah okay so ecstasy was after offspring before Usually ecstasy is before offspring. No. <laughs> <laughs> Even in nature. Right. <laughs> oh. Okay, so you was doing a gig with offspring. No, ecstasy. ecstasy. Okay, you're doing a gig with ecstasy. And uh was he, the, were you guys like the opening act and he was the headliner? No. No, he was he wasn't even performing that night. Mm. Um the guy that uh had him at the club, um, just had them watching groups and, okay. and so um, and uh it was weird because he didn't really stick out in my mind you know did you not know who he was i didn't so you so know, at that point I mean, you had I, never heard of him or you just didn't like know to see him and oh that's him yeah i i didn't really i had never seen his picture on an album cover or anything you know so you knew his music but not his face i like, really didn't know his music until i saw him on uh, a don kirshner rock concert oh wow and um they I, they somehow had him open for prince i guess they put two shows together and so and by the way, we're talking about Bo Diddley. Yeah, and Bo came on, and that's the first time I saw him with the square guitar and everything. Okay. 
and it was on Don Kirshner's rock concert. But see, that was the same year that we uh, did the show with Ecstasy. And so it happened so quickly because that same year I met Terry and Terry is McDaniel. Terry McDaniel, his daughter. But in Atlanta. Okay. And so um, when she said Bo Dilly was her father, I really didn't believe her. You know? <laughs> yeah, cause, okay, sure. Because I was just new to meeting people on the road and stuff like that, you know? And and I just thought it was somebody who was just making up a story, you know? Okay. And she had this thing, and it had Bo's picture on it. And, and she said she was looking for a guitar player for her band, Offspring. Ah. So that's the first time I met her, but didn't see her again. Until I got a phone call on Christmas uh, 1981. Or ni 1980. Christmas 1980. Yeah, 1980. 1980. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then Tammy and Terry moved to Providence, Rhode Island. Which to, is... To work on Offspring with me. Okay, were you in Rhode Island at that time? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you went from Connecticut to Rhode Island. <clears throat> Yeah. Okay. So Offspring was you, Terry. Tammy and Ron. Terry, Tammy and Ron. T is Tammy Bo's daughter? Drummer, yeah. Drummer? Okay. He's the one holding a drum in that picture. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ron's I remember seeing player. that picture. If you Okay, I think that's a picture we can put on the... Uh, on the page too. We're mm -hmm. gonna if you can get me that picture, I want to put that on the page so people can see it. I think they they like it. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. So yeah, that was Jatan's picture. Yeah, that was Jatan's picture. Uh huh. You okay. know Jatan? I I do know Jatan. I I met her. Whoa! It had to be like twelve years ago now. Yeah. A long time ago. Long time ago. Yeah. But I know Jatan. Um. So you're in the club, you're playing with Offspring, which has some of Bo Diddley's Offspring in the band, mm -hmm. and that's Bo when he, now he was there looking at group. No, no, Ecstasy. Damn, I'm sorry, I keep messing bands. up the story. <laughs> My bad. So you're playing with Ecstasy, and that is when he's out looking at groups and y'all well, he was playing. Yeah, he was, well, he was playing the club. No, we didn't meet or anything. I didn't. I didn't think anything of oh, it. Oh, that was just the first time that he that I, he knew of me as a guitar player. Okay, wow. See, so all and happened. Then, to, he happened to see you there, and then in the future, you ended up linking up with his daughter. With his daughter, yeah. and starting a band. Man, same thing happened with Derek Davis. His father um, was at the uh, holiday. I don't know if it was a holiday in somewhere in New Jersey, right over the line. And uh, I happened to be at his room playing a song because, you know, Ray would listen to new music by people. And I, I met Ray like in 76 when he first came to Hartford. And this was probably 78, you know, the not just knee deep period. Oh, not just knee deep. What a jam. And so um, I was playing this track called Body Snatchers that I had recorded. And it was funny because it was before 
the brides of uh, it was before Parlette put out Body Snatchers. I had a version of Body Snatchers <laughs> that I recorded. Okay. It's just something about that name and the fact that we were making funk. It drove us down the same path. Yeah. So, me and my cousin Steve Wallace, who's on Facebook, he was the bass player on Body Snatchers. But nice. then the Bride's Body Snatchers came out. <laughs> and that that, was that, that happens sometimes, you know. It's like there's a hundred songs called Uptown Funk, you know. Yeah, uh, me and my co- you saw the song me and um, Gino Mays did called "I'ma Be Alright," and then Kendrick Lamar got the song called "It's Gonna Be Alright" or "We Gonna Be Alright," and I was mm-hmm. like, man, we gotta change the name of the song, bro. Yeah. <laughs> we can't we can't drop it with a song with a name. It's just gonna, people aren't even gonna listen to it. They're gonna right. think it's us rapping over his beat and stuff. Dang. Yeah. So so you like play with a lot of big names because so far we talked about like Bo Diddley. Well, I actually play or play on the same stage. What's the difference? Well, you can be do a show with people. Like I, I did a show with Larry Graham, but I've never played with him. So I say, oh, okay, the I stage. see what you're saying. Like you guys are on the same bill. Yeah, would mean that we shared the stage. You shared the stage, but yeah, playing you, you with somebody at, means like you're sitting in their band. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so the so difference between playing with and like you know, you know, I actually play set sharing. Um, there's a difference between sharing the stage and playing mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Okay. Like, well, at least in my mind. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you get them cats like that. They'd be like, "Yeah, man, you know, I played with so and so and so and so," and then you ask me like, "Well, yeah, he was the opening act at three o'clock uh-huh. in the evening. We came on at twelve at that festival." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there is a difference. But hey, I guess when you're trying to build the hype, it doesn't. <laughs> Y'all play with all the hammer, everybody. <laughs> Man. Okay, so let me rephrase that. And here's an interesting question, and and I and I have an answer for it too. I'll, I'll let it go around, but I'm gonna ask you first. Who do you feel like you've learned the most from, so far as a particular individual or group? from playing with from just being in their presence practicing mm-hmm. with them seeing how they do stuff seeing how they manage and organize their music and or music business well, that's an interesting question because the first part of the question Bo would be the person in terms of the music business no one no one mm-hmm. you kind of had to learn as you go mm-hmm. is it as dirty as they say yes yes Absolutely. that was a quick that was a very quick yes no like mm, uh, no oh yeah i mean me if somebody it. says it's dirty they got a reason to say that they got a reason they're saying that you know wow i mean and if someone says it's just beautiful well everybody would be able to do it but everybody can't do it successfully you know, sometimes and not not only that sometimes the record company wants to take more money than they really should take from the the artist you know what i'm saying have you heard of the 360 deal? Mm-hmm. Because I heard, I don't know, like, you know, I haven't Wikipedia or anything, but <clears throat> from what I hear people say, the 360 deal is like they get a cut of your shows, they get mm-hmm. a cut of your marketing outside of that if you do it. It's like a whole thing. And I think it's to make up for the fact that people don't purchase CDs or records yeah. or anything anymore. So they're trying to eat off of the shows. And I'm just like, what's the point of that? Well, the industry is going to try to self-propel it, you know, self-propel as much as possible. I mean, there's so much money there. 
there's so much money um but where is but my question is where is the money in the industry because i personally do not buy music and i don't try to sell it like when i do music i'm putting it out there for free so hopefully i can do a show and get a hundred percent of the money because if i don't purchase music i don't expect people to purchase my music so where is the money well i um there are outlets where you know streaming that's where most of the money of listening for music is you know you have streaming and then you have itunes um, and stuff like mm -hmm. that um what because the competition is so heavy you want immediate access to the public so the first thing you want to do is be able to stream it because then you could stream to millions in minutes you know um That's what we're doing with OP. You know, we're keeping it independent. So there are a number of distribution outlets like Spotify, Radio, um, iTunes. iTunes. But here's the thing, and we were talking about this uh, before we started the podcast. We must do a OP podcast, a OP website. It is too easy using yeah. stuff like Squarespace. If mm-hmm. anybody out there is from Squarespace listening, sponsor your boy because I did my shit with Squarespace and it's awesome. And uh, yeah, let your boy get a sponsor. Uh, Squarespace.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, man, we can do the website with Squarespace and I mean, mm-hmm. everybody we know has a studio. Yeah. And as you can see, we're in my garage turning it up with two microphones and a laptop and this is going to go out to the world. Who knows mm-hmm. who will listen? But man, that OP, man, yeah. that's it. And then that's direct to the people. So it doesn't right. matter if the radio is acting lame or this or that. It's direct in their veins to the people. Main line. Main line. Bam. Sink the needle. Sink the needle. So man, it's I, I, it's funny when I look back over just me and you vibing out because it was like a whole four to six year stretch where we were doing it big with the monkey striking matches vibration, doing the shows at the massage school. It's funny every time I go on four forty one, I tell I tell Nikki I was like, man, Nikki, do you remember the shows at the massage school? I'm talking about fucking chocolate mushrooms and. Ah, it was just too much fun, man. Do they even still do those graduation parties? Joe said they're going to start up again. If they start up, man, I would just like to do the party. If I don't do anything else, I would just like to play Florida School of Massage graduation parties. That's mm-hmm. enough for me yeah. right now while I'm trying to raise my family. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if I could just go out there once or twice a year and just play. Because uh, it was special, man. It's, it's weird, too, because yeah. I bumped into Frank in the tool store. Frank was our bass player um in that um organization of monkey striking matches and it was weird i was like hey frank he played drums one night he played drums one night too and i had my kids with me and i was like frank do you remember when we were in our band they weren't i wasn't even married yet he was like, stop talking about it, man. You're making me feel old. I was like, I'm going to stop because I'm free. I'm like, I'm kind of freaking out right now because it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. Yeah. But, man, we got we to gotta get that back going because that was that to me. I can say I asked you earlier what was your biggest learning experience playing in a group. 
And I think that was my biggest learning experience. Like I learned about the groove bed, which mm-hmm. the, I mean, my understanding of the groove bed is that dynamic that you hop into and just holding it firm and staying in the hole and staying in the gutter while keeping it clean and nasty and funky. And, you know, it's just some crazy shit. You know, people have to dig into the metaphors to feel it because when yeah. you make the groove bed, you got to lay in your own shit. And it sucks if you land in some shit that stinks. But it's nice <laughs> it's if you some land in some shit that ain't sh- yours. Some shit that ain't yours. You know? I got a groove bed going on right now. That's a deep groove bed. That's almost like Eastern philosophical groove bed. You know? Heavy duty groove. And the groove is established. Example. Let's do some sparkling word. Groove to the magic. Groove to the static. Groove in my mind. Groove and I find. Groove and I grab it. Wanna come test. But it could not pass. Moving too fast. I last. I go. I reach and I grasp. I'm moving past the point of direction. No resurrection. No hesitation. Why is they pacing? They facing. The point that is adjacent, my time wasting as I look up in the sky and wonder why. My brothers and sisters got to die. Mothers will cry, people will sigh. Preachers will go on singing sermons to they people, but the people is not learning. Souls is burning, tables turning. As a groove bed mate, and I go and take and I meditate, but I will not wait because it is not fake. But the people want to take all they could ever have. Laugh, smiling, crying at the same time. They wonder why. Yeah, I mean, that's a dope groove bed. But some people can't feel the groove bed, and they can't think within the realms of the groove bed, you know. But we're gonna people, turn that into a song. And we're gonna turn that into a song, and they're gonna be like, "Man, that's I heard that on episode one, Attack of the Funk with Slimmy Hempson." So hold up, let people. First of all, you know we don't do intros when we're recording, so let everybody know who you are. I know you as Scott Free. I know you as Bo Digitally. I know you as Slimmy Hempsticks. Am I missing anything? Uh, skin tight. How could I forget skin tight? <laughs> skin tight. Skin tight. The original. It's a good thing we're recording this too so we can keep those concepts. Attack of the funk. 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 Attack of the funk, attack of the funk, attack of the funk. 
Open, open up your eyes now. Open, open up your eyes now. Open, open up your eyes now. Here we go. Open up your motherfucking eyes, realize we will not circumcise the truth. We gon' leave it natural, oh so real. 24 shitties, shit, you know they feel the me- 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 mechanics going on and they could not stand it. Trying to take a grab, trying to take a piece, trying to find a spot, trying to get a niche, trying to go far. Could not see what they really wanted to be. It's Mr. Sunny Day, C. Scott, out up in the real chewy spot. We never will stop, we will not stop. We are going deep. Into the magic And they could not handle this So we will not fuck with the static We will always never gon' trip Why they wanna mess with this apparatus That we come to work We don't never mess with them We the maddest, let's go We singin' like Attack of the funk, attack of the funk uh, And it going on like Attack of the funk, attack of the funk uh, And it's going on like Attack of the funk, attack of the funk Everything and it's going on like Attack of the funk, attack of the funk Back to the track when they whack they could not test this, but they could not take out the, the, the truth that we is making. I messed up stuttering, stuttering, muffling, mumbling, dumb shit that they could not understand. Under my voice, I'm speaking the truth, but on top, they just let me let it loose. I'm calling the truth, cause this shit is too crazy, the shit is too. Take it to the. Take it to the. Take it to the Take it to the Take it to the top I have a question When we started this thing Me and my me and my cousin I call him Thomas Y'all know him as Gino Mays If anybody's from Mixon 3rd Street You know him as Thomas We grew up in the Orange Grove Country You know what I'm saying We grew up in the Orange Grove um, But we started out Getting beats by taking a karaoke machine with two decks. Are you ready for mm-hmm. this? And this is a testament to how smart this guy is. Because I don't know where he got this from. But he would take two tape decks. And we have one blank tape. And it wouldn't even be a blank tape. It would be a tape. And you remember how you take some notebook paper and chew it in your mouth. And put it in those little holes on the bottom of a, a cassette tape. And it mm-hmm. would let you record yeah. over the tape. Mm-hmm. Well, we would do that. He would do that. And he would take the beginning of a song. Because you know how songs always have that little piece at the beginning? Yeah. And he would record it. And he would keep recording it and stopping it to where it would loop. But here's the thing. That's the thing that DJs have been doing the whole time mm-hmm. with records. Yeah. So, I don't, I, you know, I got to ask him. When, I, when we do his uh, podcast, I'm going to ask him. and say, how did you figure that out? Mm-hmm. Because we were, I was in fourth, he had to be in fifth grade because I was in fourth grade. His yeah. mama bought him a karaoke machine and we were the rookies. That was our route group. Uh-huh. You know, we, I remember our hook. This is our first hook. You got to wake up, get up, turn on your TV set. Here comes the rookies out to make a check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> shit. We like, like 20 bar verses. Uh-huh. <laughs> as you would know, it's time to... As, as you know, it's time to wake up and get up and get out your bed. Some shit, I don't remember the verse, but it was like 20 bar verses. I still write the exact same way. Each line is a bar. Mm-hmm. It was like 20 bar verses, but that's how we got introduced to like the sampling, I guess. We didn't even know what we were doing, but we were just jacking beats and rapping and stuff and yeah. doing doing that kind of stuff. And it's, it's interesting to see where hip hop is going because hip hop was like 
the child of funk mm-hmm. from the Sugar Hill Gang. I guess that was the child of disco, but disco was kind of the child of funk to a degree, or was it? Um, well, <clears throat> disco didn't start out funky. It started out with the idea of, um, you know, the people that they wanted to see on the dance floor. So it was, you know, classy. Um, Diana Ross was made for disco. Donna Summer was made for disco, you know. Okay. So it wasn't went, really. You know, that's how black music was back then. It was pretty classy, you know. Okay. It was like a continuation of the Motown glamour and glitz. Glam, glitz, semi-big band, yeah. like medium I, band. Well, well, you know, the thing is, African-American music has driven um, uh, progress in terms of commercial commercial music. You know, so the jazz of the 30s and 40s that were being played by African-American musicians and was being copied by Caucasian musicians... Um, that music was pushing music forward. It was okay. pushing it forward rhythmically and making making the way for more intricate rhythms and things like that. Now, jazz was originally like a bad word, wasn't it? Because um, then people, oh, you, you with all that jazz and all this. Because was jazz originally accepted and exalted like it is now? Because now like people are like, oh, that's jazz. Yeah, you have to be yeah, sophisticated it, to understand it. Was it, it sophisticated was. when it first hit the scene? Because I feel like some no, people, I've heard people opposite. say that jazz was looked down mm-hmm. upon because it was so freeform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was opposite back then. Um, because the powers that be, what <clears throat> they were comfortable with rigidity. And so classic music for them had to come in a certain form and it came in the form of sheet music instead of improvisation <clears throat> so it's so, more improv mm-hmm. well back then um <clears throat> jazz was developed out of the the ability to improv and just creatively look at something and opening up the tin pen alley uh, mode of songwriting where all the songs and this is how the thirties used to go. It's a, it's kind of predictable, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, it's very and, it's always yeah. gonna be there. Yeah, and it's almost like a mathematical approach to the notation, you know. And um Jazz came and said, well, you know, maybe we'll do add a note that doesn't belong in the melody, so. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, just add a note that doesn't belong, and, and so it kind of, jazz was able to open it up, and it's, and the musicians, it was an outlet for the musicians, whereas the other stuff, they were confined to playing within the lines, you know kind of boring yeah so that's you know the, the the musicians at motown were jazz musicians that barry gordy found around detroit and when they came to do a motown session it was easy for him you know they oh because it's just, just like oh I'll play the notes yeah you know but but it sounded fantastic so when they play something like um <laughs> I had too much fun tonight, but but that was jazz. Watch this. 
A country. I got sunshine on a cloudy day. <laughs> nice. When it's cold outside, I got the month of May. Yeah. could just come in there and just let's knock that knock stuff out. out no problem just mm -hmm. easy money easy money yep nice so how old were you during that whole motown era uh well i got into motown probably at about uh two or three years old because i the first time i played a record player it was i was playing back. a supreme's wow, record and my cousin was babysitting i was living on barber street hartford 404 barber street and so uh, I must have been three or four when I, you know, I put the needle on the record and didn't scratch it or anything. Didn't scratch it. And, nice. And Supremes was on the turntable. My cousin, my cousin and babysat. Bobby Woods. Nice. Man, so that's like a whole world to go, but that music still is relevant today. Mm-hmm. Like here's the, here's the thing that freaks me out. Those guys were recording on the real to real tape, mm -hmm. and some of those mixes are like still still good hold up. today. Yeah, like you know, because some shit that's mixed today is just phenomenal. You know, like mm -hmm. and I always tell people, y'all think it's a game, but Taylor Swift's album has some real deal fucking mixing and some serious mm -hmm. hip hop drums on them. Yeah, that sound a lot better than a lot of everybody else's shit. Yeah, Prince uh, Prince moved the drum sound forward because he he basically wasn't going to be um, limited in terms of uh, the sonic possibilities. So he used a lot of hip hop drums and popularized them in a way that rap couldn't popularize them. You know. So he was using drum machines. Mm -hmm. Using yeah. drum machines and live drums. And live drums mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes. I heard Con what? Kanye. I feel like Kanye West said he did that too. Yeah, I mean, what basically they do whatever they need to do to make a sonic record. You know, if you just make a normal record and you have a drummer and you just use bass one bass drum sound on every song, that lends itself to an older sound and an older style of music, basically. Where you're just sitting in a specific studio with a specific studio set of drums. So yeah. everybody's going to have that drum kit sound unless you switch stuff out. Or or you're just going to have one bass drum sound. Like if you listen to the Rolling Stones, they don't put any sonic elements in their songs. You know, they don't have any movie theater bass drum thuds happening. You know, it's just regular. It's just, yeah, it's just a bass, bass drum, kick regular drum. Bass drum. But uh, if you listen to Nicki Minaj or or Chris Brown or somebody like that, they have a sonic um, presentation to the music that is more um, more factory than organic, you know. Now, when you say sonic, do you mean just like the way it 
sounds hits to in you. a room you know yeah every every just the way that the music actually comes out of the speaker because nowadays um they build sounds in a way just by covering frequencies and and you know if you want a really large sound like if you get an orchestra hit how is that going to come out of your speaker so i use i use stuff like that as a tool to understand where my music is going to lie in a mix so do i want my bass drum to be as strong as a whole orchestra hit in the mix or do i want it to be more like a normal bass drum am i going to use the toned bass drum where the the uh, relaxed accents create a pitch or are they going to be muted you know the relaxed accents is like when you hear a bass drum go when i do the boom the the first one is weak but boom the accent is the second one boom 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 so um or you can have the accent on the other way you know you know that sounds like blame it on the juice oh yeah blame it on the juice i'm like wait a second jamie fought yeah well i guess the whole production has changed and evolved so much i mean what is your preference digital or analog um, I really don't have a preference. I know I should, I should be saying analog, but, um, <laughs> it doesn't really make sense to not like digital because it's Cheaper. everywhere that you listen to music. So it doesn't make sense to like listen to music and say, ah, oh, that sounds like shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just meant so far as an actual music maker. I mean, it seems <laughs> to me like digital is cheaper because you don't have to buy tape. You know, and yeah. carry around like buckets and boxes of tape, right? Or dats or discs or even CDs yeah. or jump drives. I no, mean. you can take a thousand songs on a, a drive. Yeah, <laughs> now that you have like Dropbox, and, until tape. you fill your Dropbox up, then you have to pay. Then you have to pay. <laughs> That's when you have to go to your Google Cloud. Then you have to go to your Microsoft Cloud. You just have to keep using the maximum free information yeah. <laughs> you can use for everything. You know, and just max out. Make them tap out. You know. <laughs> Make them tap out, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, another thing I wanted to touch on is we were mentioning Prince. And I don't know. Did you ever did you ever play with Prince? Mm-mm. You just met Prince. Mm-hmm. How did you meet Prince? Uh, I'd have to say uh, through his English teacher. Um not bonnie i was wondering do i is it bonnie or terry but terry would be the one with bonnie i just bumped into him backstage because my friend played with him and uh he and sheila e were playing basketball so was the dave Chappelle story true was he really that good at basketball yeah for everybody i'm sorry the charlie murphy story for everybody out there we have a second person who has seen prince play basketball and is he good? Or does he he's just good. play? Oh, he's yeah. good. He's good? Mm-hmm. Really? Because he's a little dude. Yeah. I guess that that's why he's good. Yeah. He's one of the little dudes that play. Yeah, he's like known for making crazy shots. Matter of fact, on on uh, this same tour, 
he actually made a basket behind his head, behind his back, Whoa. from the uh, foul line. Whoa. Nothing but that. Nothing but that. <laughs> That's dope. And I mean, the square garden in the round. <laughs> in the round. Dang. But, uh, yeah, his teacher, Terry, I met his teacher, Terry Lipinski, his high school English teacher. How did y'all, did you, like, go to his same school or? Mm-mm. No, I was in New York shopping Bo's music, and I had been in New York for three weeks. I did the major labels the first week, the secondary, the second week in the, uh, the uh, independence, the third week. And I was in New York for three weeks, and I was getting ready to leave New York the following day and I met Terry Lipinski and um, I was staying with my stepbrother uh, on Amsterdam and 125th and um, if I'm not mistaken but in any ways I went to get some Chinese food and I came back and Terry said Are you coming back down it's a beautiful night and I said yeah and I went up I had to go up six flights of stairs to get a, a fork because I had gotten some Chinese food and so I come back down and you know we're sitting there talking and she says well what are you doing I said I'm shopping Bo Diddley material and she says oh I was Prince's English teacher <laughs> she just bust out <laughs> yeah well I guess she probably so, knew of Bo Diddley so yeah. she just hey mm-hmm. you know it, Bo Diddley I know Prince yeah <laughs> It's so uh, uh, she went in their apartment. She bought out the yearbook. It was the Central High yearbook from Minneapolis. So Prince wrote in, um, "I'd marry you if you were younger," with a little heart over his eye and everything. So he was <laughs> he was like that back then. He was like that back then, extravagant or. Well, no, he was more like a little playboy. But he had a, a picture of him on the basketball team that you've probably seen. I actually haven't. He was on the basketball team. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, he's I need been, to stop saying wow. It's like my thirty times saying wow tonight. <laughs> Shit, stop saying wow. You could cut it out, man. I'm cut not out the whole wow thing. I'm not cutting out the wows for all the people listening. I'm not editing any parts of these conversations. Like that's that's the thing with tell me the truth. The shit that if you say something that you want edited out, sorry. Right. <laughs> I'll take the whole thing down before I edit something. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, I didn't know he played on his high school. Well, that explains why he's good at beat. You know, mm-hmm. he has a vein in it. And uh, for the listeners, this is the time in the show. I think we're almost at the one hour mark, but we might as well keep cooking because I'm feeling good. We're going to do the meditation station, and we're just going to keep this thing rolling. I would like to speak since this is Attack of the Funk. I know that from meeting you, it made me go back and do my homework. Because a lot of the funk I heard was secondhand through hip-hop. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, a lot of this stuff is known. But I know, like, for me, I didn't realize that The Chronic was like a Parliament Funkadelic Extra- remake, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Parliament Funkadelic uh, yeah, fucking, right. you know, uh, what would you call it? Like a, a thesis on P-Funk. Was, yeah. And, you know, I was too young to even catch the clues in the videos. Like in, on that uh, Dre Day. That, mm-hmm. Swing down, sweet chariot, stop and let me. He actually has the mothership landing at the end of the video, and yeah. I still, right over my head. 
So when I met you, it made me go back and do my homework on like P for all of the funk, just mm-hmm. all of the funk, and all of the stuff from Bo's era, from Bo, Muddy Waters, Chuck Berry, yeah. uh, you know, the whole quote unquote Cadillac Records thing, and then even a little deeper. Mm-hmm. I even picked up a harmonica in the process. Yeah. <laughs> uh, little Walter. Little Walter, exactly. I can't do it anywhere near like him, but I can do something. Uh, but I know it was interesting because I'm like, all this music that I grew up liking as a kid is it's like remakes. Mm-hmm. So once I went back to the originals, it was like, well, you know, fuck that stuff. This is where, this is where the good stuff is here. Yeah, that's the Uptown Funk Theory. The Uptown Funk Theory. What is the Uptown Funk Theory? Once you know where that where that music came from, everything else just doesn't, you know, doesn't compare. Because I know you brought up... Uh, I know that's not the right attitude to have because for kids, it's all they have. You know what I'm saying? So it's still a gateway to musical enjoyment. But like my son, he listens to Bob Marley, you know, Parliament Funkadelic, and he's 23. You know what I'm saying? Because I exposed him to the difference between the music of today and the music back then. The music of today just has way more production you know, in the music back then, you had to have ability. But even look at, you brought up Bob Marley. Like, look, that's another example of something that I don't think they really do too much. Di- you can do too much digitally remastering to a Bob Marley track. I mean, it's on, it's on real. You can hear the crackle, but to this day in Gainesville, Florida, you can go to UF and hear some 20-year-old vibing out to Bob Marley when they first discover it and it has the same effect on everybody. I can remember buying the Legend CD that has like, you know, like 20 of his biggest hits on it. Yeah. And when you listen to it, it just like, man, it doesn't... I was 20... early 20s. And it didn't have an effect on me. I mean, I'm growing my dreads for the second time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know? And it's just like, man, this guy's wicked. And it's not over complicated music i think yeah. it's complicated in a way mm-hmm. the effect it has on the ear and the body is very complicated yeah but listening to it it seems very simplistic yeah well you it know? goes down real easy and, and it goes down real easy <laughs> yeah. and it's so universal it's like some cognac mm-hmm. some good cognac too mm-hmm. not the cheap stuff yeah not like scotch is like that too good scotch yeah. goes down easy too but mm-hmm. if you get some like what is it, Jimmy Walker? Yeah. Red cuts, label? Cuts a little bit. <laughs> that shit may like, burn the membrane off of your... Th- I had some of that on my 20... 20- Listen to this. I'm working at an elementary school, right? Mm-hmm. I'm the after-school guy. This is like over 10 years ago. So, 21st birthday. Two guys I worked with. Yeah, we, every Friday, we would like hop in the car and ride around and chill. Mm-hmm. So, on this Friday... Bam, my homeboy bring like a bottle of uh, Johnny Walker. Is it Johnny Walker or Jimmy Walker? Jimmy Walker is the comedian. Yeah. So it's Johnny, Johnny. Walker. Johnny mm-hmm. Walker. And it's so Johnny yeah. Walker red, Johnny, Johnny Walker black. Blue and then green and gold. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like the green and golds are in the hundreds. Yeah. And I think the blue is like 90 or 100 bucks itself. Mm-hmm. But the red and the black. Yeah. That shit, it's you got to. Affordable. Gotta, <laughs> it's affordable. That shit is like drinking fucking kerosene with yeah. cinnamon in it. Man, I took a shot of this. So I'm in the back seat, right? So, bam. Uh, Coach Mark take a sweet. Ah, he make a face. Uh, Mr. Andre take a sweet. He make a face. I'm like, fuck, I don't know if I want to drink this. So, bam, I grabbed that motherfucker. Oh, it's your birthday. See, you got to drink it. 
So bam, I tip it up. Oh my God, listen to me. This is a serious. I my forehead immediately broke out in sweat. <laughs> I mean, it went from dry to like wiping it out of my eye. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck was that? Like I had never had that experience where I take a swig of alcohol and like my body just says, you should, Court, you should throw this up now. <laughs> Don't even let this like really get into your digest. Throw this up now, man. But yeah. But anyway, like you were saying, the Bob Marley goes down smooth. Mm-hmm. But like I was saying, with not, not just knee deep, because I feel like that's the first time that I really, even hearing it in my, because I still was in my twenties when I when you introduced me to that. Even hearing it in my twenties. Compared to the music that was going down, that would be about what ten, eight or nine years ago. Mm-hmm. It still was like wicked, man. Cause not just knee deep is like a eight or ten minute song with yeah. movements and mm-hmm. bridges. I don't think it has any key changes. Does it have key changes? Well, I mean, when you go to the bridge, no, technically it stays in the same key, but there is a kind of modulate a pitch change, yeah, for for yeah. the bridge because it starts in. Um, it's in D, but uh, Yeah, but my whole thing is, is, and that, maybe we need to do one of those like an epic eight-minute song. Mm-hmm. Because I remember my mom, and I gotta—I don't know if she'll talk, but I gotta get her in here. But she used to tell me how when she—and she's about your age, so maybe you can relate. Um, she would say when they used to dance, man, it would be like a fucking workout. Mm-hmm. She's like, you'd be at the club like sweating dancing because the song was so fucking long. You know, like that's an eight-minute song. Yeah, you know, without pulling it up. And nowadays, you don't really get that. You get the standard three minutes and 30, Mm -hmm. maybe 50 seconds if you're lucky, groove. Yeah. But they're not making those epic dance tracks anymore. Yeah. But you can always do the (laughs) nay-nay. Oh, yeah, you can do the nay-nay.
We did this last night. So. Right here. To, to the E. Righteous Groove, bro. So how long you been making yeah, music? Sounded good, man. That sounded <laughs> that good. Funky. You gotta get get some drums and stuff on that to really get that rolling. So how long have you been at this, man? How long have you been making music? Actually creating? Uh since I was fourteen. Fourteen? Yeah, my first band we had original songs. So like, what keeps you going? Where do you find? Because I know sometimes I sit in here and, you know, I draw a blank. So what keeps you going? What keeps it fresh? Never believing that I could draw a blank. So yeah. it's mind over matter. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Because I deal with that a lot myself. Just yeah. putting your mind in the space. Mm-hmm. Or faking it till you make it, so they say. Well, some some say that, but some say it's just a direct conduit to everything. So it's never faking it, not if it's heartfelt. Hmm. Word up. And that way, it becomes more of a reward, you know. But it's just something that you never stop working for. So. I guess, like they say, you got to get your ten thousand hours of training in. Yeah. <laughs> Still working on my ten thousand hours. Still working. Still working. You don't always have to get 10,000 hours. (laughs) Some people are just born with the ability. Yeah. Some people are just born with the ability. Sometimes it's just a matter of time. Different times. Different times in different places. Word up. Well, Scott, I think we've cooked for definitely more than an hour. So this is the first episode. Sunny days. See, Scott. Blaze Enigma. Sorry. (laughs) Slimmy Hemp Sticks. Bow Digitally. Scott Free. Skin Tight. So, yeah, while while you're on here, man, tell the people how they can get you. Tell them what you're doing. I know you play with Fastlane. You play with OP. Do you have any shows coming up? I'm going to try to post this next Monday at the latest. Mm -hmm. So, what do you have coming up that people can see? Where can they go to get the schedules for OP? Facebook, Instagram, off the top of your head. And if you don't, I'll have it all on the web page. But what Facebook. Fast lane. 
Y'all have Instagram, Twitter? No. no. Does OP have a Facebook? Yeah. Is it just called OP? Uh-huh. OP Funk. OP Funk, Facebook, Fast Lane on Facebook. Catch me at, of course, Tell Me the Podcast.com. Uh, Instagram, it should be Truth Tellers 24. Twitter, it should be Truth Tellers 24. We got the links on the website, though. Hit me on the website. Check out the products. Check out the episodes. Uh, feel free to donate. Feel free to sign up to become a truth teller on the Contact Us Us page. And, uh, yeah, shoot me an email. And if you want to become a guest, hit me on Facebook or Twitter. I can do interviews over Facebook. Or you can come to the No Bullshit Zone if you pass a security check. Uh, but we can also do stuff on Facebook. And, uh, Slimmy, why don't you give us something to take them out on? This guitar needs to get broken in You don't have to tell me twice I heard you the first time When you said you'd be mine Scott went over a lot. History of funk, history of his music, history of my music. Even kind of got into some freestyle jams there. I wasn't even expecting that, but that was cool though. And y'all, y'all be on the lookout because we're probably gonna definitely make some tunes out of that. And when we do, we'll bring it back here and debut it right here on Tell Me the Truth. Man, that is what is up. So episode one, Attack of the Funk. I, I really like the flow of it. I got to say, and I, I really hope that anybody who listens to this will come to the website, um, www.tellmethetruth slash, like the minus sign slash, not forward slash, not back slash, the minus sign slash podcast.com. Tell me the truth slash podcast.com. We have comment sections on the bottom of each podcast. Just give me some feedback. You know, the levels was off. You digressed about this. You didn't finish the story. Whatever. I like to hear the good and the bad and the ugly so I can make this show better for everybody, including myself, because, you know, I just like to do it. like to give people a chance to speak. Um, so, yeah, hit me up. Tell me the truth slash podcast dot com. Hit me on Facebook. Sunny Days. Hit me on Instagram and Twitter at TruthTellers24, T-R-U-T-H-T-E-L-L-A-Z, the numeral 24. Hit me up, and you know, we can just link up, keep it cool across all social media. Also, remember, hit up um, Skin Tight, Bo Digitally, Scott, 
um, at Fastlane on Facebook and Original P on Facebook or what I think it was Original P. You'll have to listen to the episode. I could be wrong on that. But uh, yeah, so episode one, Attack of the Funk, loving it, feeling it. Hope you're coming back for more. Give me some feedback. And as we tell everybody, if you can't tell the truth, don't talk about it. I'm thinking about the good old days and how quick they slip away. But I'm going to be fine, I'm going to be fine, I'm going to be alright. Slide it up and let it roll, let it burn real slow. Cause we all know it's going to